0: Welcome back everyone to r 2 cast number 120. Last week we had Grant and Jacqueline. Grant and Jacqueline are young farmers up here in Scotland. And what they are doing is they've started a sort of PT business similar to that of cattle strength, who you may follow if you're in Wales. Um, and we were talking a lot about the fact they're creating a fittest farmer for young farmers to get involved in. I did say on that episode that I will be getting involved in it, but I did actually think it was a spelling mistake and that I thought it said fattest, but it should be quite good for i'm looking forward to getting involved and hopefully i will manage because 10 days before i will have walked 112 miles and i'm currently going to throw out a massive massive excuse that i am sitting here with a very very sore knee that the only reason i am in the freeze is because i've got to see a couple of doctors and a physio to see what the crack is so um yeah if i am rubbish at it that is not because i'm unfit it's because i'm injured um The next episode that you guys will be seeing is with Vince Gillingham. Vince is the man, or certainly one of the men behind um, Pickups for Peace. Now, if you don't know what that is, Pickups for Peace are delivering a lot of pickups and SUVs and such like uh, to the front line in Ukraine. So, quite an interesting story that one. I've not filmed yet, but very much looking forward to um, because, yeah, just a a a part of the world that's been in the news for all the right reasons, all the wrong reasons. Sorry, but obviously we've got. uh, right reasons in that we've got to hear what's happening and just a horrible situation out there and and hopefully this this team are providing some some form of uh betterment to that so looking forward to that today is another good episode there's well i'd like to think everything's a good episode and very much looking forward to today's as well um how would i put it we have somewhat of a new entrant farmer, but I'm going to say with a bit of a twist, I think would be the best way to to introduce this, but uh, the man I'm going to pass you on to is Damian Barson. Damian, would you like to say hello?
1: Ah, yeah. Hello, Wallace. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Uh, Great pleasure.
0: Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene, In the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to A Plan Rural for that. Not at all. Very much looking forward to it. Very much looking forward to it. To be honest, if there was one thing I really wanted to do, this is no longer on YouTube, it's all Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so you can't see what, we're, what I'm seeing at the minute, but Damien is uh, sitting in front of his fridge in a few cupboards. He opened one of those cupboards earlier, and it was quite an impressive display of whiskey <laughs> and such like. So uh, maybe, maybe if we could do this in person, it would be a bit better.
1: <laughs> I mean, obviously, like I said earlier on, I mean, they are prescribed because my doctor did say we lack alcohol, so I am substituting the lack of alcohol by adding to my body. So anybody out there who does want to drink, it is medically approved that we do not have enough in our system.
0: So (laughs) here we are. I mean, if the doctor says so, I guess we have to. um, I'm not
1: saying I I legally was told that, but I think there was a pint at the time by a doctor in the pub.
0: That's a perfect excuse
1: just to carry on. And it cleanses you as well because, you know, high percentage.
0: There you are. Perfect. Everything you need. So if you listen to our 2 cast sit yourself down get a nice wee dram. That's what you're after. Um, much better than, what have I got here? I've got a nice wee... In fairness, I love chocolate milk. I'm having a wee chocolate milk. Have you ever tried the Mars chocolate milk, Damien? I haven't. No, and to be
1: honest, it's funny you talk about this because last night I was talking to a friend of mine and I had a bottle of, of delicious milk, milk. Yeah. and it's brilliant, the vanilla one. Absolutely amazing, and I'm going to sound sad now because I know there's 64 calories in every hundred uh, <clears throat> milliliters of it. So I know in there if I have one, because I try and keep myself a little bit lean, like yourself. And um, <laughs> I know you're mentioning there about that competition you're entering. And uh, but no, I mean I'm a vanilla man. I'm not into my sweet things. I'm more of a savory kind of guy. I like my, my starters, my mains. I can really forgo. Dessert. I mean, I don't know if you like desserts, but somebody offered me a coffee and walnut cake today. I had a spoon of it and I went, It's too sweet.
0: No, I, I'm, I'm pretty simple, <laughs> in fairness. I'm very much more savoury, uh, but flavoured milks are my my downfall. But as someone said to me, and it was a very good point the more people that are drinking flavoured milks than Coke, the better. And I'd never even considered that. Very good. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: if you look at it, if you
1: look at a can kind of diet of Coke and you spill it onto a grill pan with fat on it, it cleanses it within a second.
0: Yeah, it's kind of worrying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you wonder what's really gone into your tummy when you're having that, in fairness. but uh, Absolutely, uh, that's why I stick to alcohol. <laughs> it's been prescribed! <laughs> Absolutely! And the best bit about it is,
1: which you'll like, it's Scottish.
0: Well, yes, the best stuff is Scottish.
1: Uh, I've got a couple of bottles of um, Welsh whiskey in there, which was given to me by some friends. And I have, I'm not really an Irish whiskey drinker, it's more, but the Welsh one... Not bad, but it's not a patch on my Scottish ones. My islands are the ones.
0: There's a oh, there's a Welsh spirits company. I know they do gin. Pendragon. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I know you can't see this that are listening, but he's got a gorgeous box there. That's the one. That's the one. So this this one was gifted to
1: me uh, by a good friend in Wales, and we have another two different ones as well. I also have a um, one from the Cotswolds. Right. A whiskey from the Cotswolds. I've never opened it. I don't know why. It's one of those things which you think, I'll drink it for a special occasion.
0: <laughs> never have a special occasion. Yep.
1: But by that time, you're dead and somebody else is drinking it while you're uh, at your wake, And they've no appreciation. They just want to swig it back.
0: In fairness, there's quite a special occasion coming up for you quite soon, but we'll get into that later on. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's been it's been quite the introduction. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're sitting here five minutes in, having spoken about um, flavoured milks, whiskeys, and me being... Potentially in for Britain's fattest farmer, uh, but let's hear a bit about yourself. David. Tell us you you you've got into farming uh, recently in the last few years. But um, what was your life before that? Was was farming something you were interested in as a youngster, or is it is it very much a new thing to you?
1: Um, I suppose if you took me right back, you know, obviously a few years ago when I was younger. Uh, thank God nobody could see me, but you know, as anybody <laughs> who do know about me, um, no hair. Go to, and that's about it. But no, I'm 51 at the moment. A young 51, I get told. Um, yeah. But I I come from a place called Burnley. Burnley, born and bred. I wouldn't say I had the best upbringing. If anybody knows the area in Burnley, it can be a little bit rough. Um, and no, I, I wasn't into country. Uh, we lived in a very built up area. Um, growing up, my ambition was to be a vet. And uh, I got through sh- school, and then got into um, do what we call A-levels at the time. Things and motion there, you know, different things. Uh, started doing that. After one year, realised that in order to become a vet, I'd have to be in debt until I was 26 in terms of, and then staying in college and university and everything else. And I just decided that wasn't for me. I had a massive passion for animals. I'd always been into animals throughout that. Um, but what I did, um, I'd only been training dogs as a young child as well. And in the background, I was a training dog at the age of 16. I was running a class at the age of 16. I was very passionate about it. Trained my own family dogs, which were two dogman pincers and Border a collie. And uh, pulled out of uh, college at the time, and I went into finance. And then I went into insurance, sales, marketing accounts. And then throughout my life, I've continued in the background to train dogs as friends, family, hobby, But my background at that time was advertising, sales, marketing. I had a job where I traveled the world um, managing to uh, a theme park and a casino magazine, uh, which was a fantastic opportunity to travel. Um, But then continued to do that for a number of years, ran my own companies in um, sales, capital equipment, finance. And then just it'll be at least, I'm trying to think when it was a good, probably 15 years plus, I decided just to go full into dog training. Did the dog training, Malarkey, got into that, and I've continued to do that. And I've always had an interest in animals and countryside. I've lived where I'm sat at the moment for 20 years, which is a a barn conversion behind the farm. Mm -hmm. We are surrounded, as far as the eye could see, when you go up in the sky, by land farms. And every day I see livestock, the farmer, and other things going on. And what uh, I train, was training dogs, I rented land in the local village where I was training dogs. And then it would be sort of, obviously we ate COVID, had the issue with COVID, but I wasn't affected with COVID because my job became under the Animal Welfare Act, where people were able to come and train the dogs with me because I was outside. Yeah. So as long as I stuck to the one-to-one, outside, no problems, I could continue it. So I didn't see a boom, which most people thought I did with the puppy boom, the expensive, you know, buying puppies, which we can cover later about me. But, um, yeah, so I continued doing that. And then I decided in around 2021 that the cost of flail topping all my land, my fields, was expensive. So I had an idea. For a £1,000, I could fence my fence, divide the fields, buy some sheep, and not only would that graze the ground and save me money, but it would be attractive for the families coming with the kids and the mums and the dads with the dogs. And it's a little bit of an incentive. Oh, mummy, can we go training again? And Can we go and see the sheep? So I'm thinking there's a generating some revenue. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got into that. I got the sheep in 2021. And then, obviously, um, decided then to get a sheepdog, <laughs> which I bought my sky. And I brought the world record for buying the most paying the most money for an unbroken border collie, now we call border collie at auction without seeing it.
0: Why now that, that record's <laughs> been broken? <clears throat> did you did you break the record to break the record? Or did you break no. because you saw something <laughs> in the Sky?
1: Not at all. So the, the story behind Sky, um, and obviously that was sort of where it sort of really sort of snowballed my farming experience, was that Emma Gray has gray her dog. And throughout up to 2021, for as many years as I can imagine, I used to love watching Farming Life, Country Showdown, all the the farming shows, any farming show I could get, I would watch and enjoy them. And I'd always think, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. And I never really thought it was possible because I was old. I'm not old, old, but in my mind, no experience, no family experience of farming, no knowledge, nothing. So it was like, do you want to change? Do you want to recreate, remould yourself? So I'd been watching Emma, seeing Grace the dog. I'd obviously got my sheep, so i was starting to follow more people on social media, farming side, everything else. And I'd seen Emma going to collect a dog uh, from uh, Glyn Jones down in Wales. And uh, I messaged her and said, oh, I love lilac-coloured dog. Is there any more available? She said, he's got one left. Contact him. But by the time I contacted him, he'd already put it in TSM Auction at Skipton. So I was like, I'll be honest, I did try and, like, you know, sweeten the taste a little bit and say, you know, please take it out of the deal and <clears throat> we'll see what we can do. But like anything, fair play to him. Emma taking the puppy from Gray. It's his first litter. The mum is also one of Emma Gray's dogs. And it Wait. was like, let's, he's in business. So I didn't go out there to break a record. I didn't go out to do what I kept telling all my clients to do, which is spend a silly amount of money on a pup. Um, at the time I was going through some difficulties in my life. I was getting divorced, I had personal issues and other bits and bats. So it was like, you know what, let's just go and see. So I entered the auction, put some budget there, did my budget, and that quickly disappeared. And fast forward to the day of the final auction, I- I said, I'm going to limit myself to X. And it started to dwindle. And I'm thinking, if I don't have enough money and the auction house is closed in terms of the people working there, but it's virtual because it was a virtual auction because we were still in that COVID period kind of thing, um, what's going to happen? So I said, look, give us eight grand credit limit. I'm not going to ever spend that, but just in case, I'll do it. So yeah, so we got to a point we nearly enough finished the auction and I think you, uh, I got to, what, 7,400. I was sweating, twitching. And I thought, no, this is it, Damon. You are a fool. You're an absolute fool. <laughs> so I thought, I can't do it. We've got about four minutes to go. This is stupid. Let's stop. So I'm just getting away. I thought, that's it. I can't do it. No. And then sort of, 75 And I just went, you can right off. And I literally pressed the 7/76 button. And then they have a rule. I don't know if you know the rules with the auctions. Unlike eBay where you can dump somebody with an auction, every time somebody bids, they put a couple more minutes on.
0: Yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah.
1: you have time to reflect on an online auction. So I'm sat there thinking, please bid. Please bid. Please bid. I've just gone up again. And then it went, congratulations, Green Banner. You've won. So sweaty palms, panicking a lot a bit, thinking... Ooh, what have I done? But went to bed. Everybody was laughing at me on my friends on the phone. I rang them and told them I'd want it. Woke up in the morning. And honestly, genuinely, I never thought anything about publicity, press, or anything like that. And I just got a phone call from the National Press Office downtown. And it was literally seven ish, or oh, six, seven o'clock. Sort the dogs out. Morning, we just would like to get a quote from you. And they had to say, I'm sorry, but excuse me, but I don't know who you are. You have just broken the world record for the most expensive amount of money spent on an unbroken. Now we've got a border collie puppet without seeing it at auction. And that day, it was like a snowball. I was on TV, national press, newspapers, six or seven national press in the weekend. Because this was, I think, a Wednesday or a Thursday that I won it. So then I went to, I mean, if you Google me now, I think I still come up with about eight or 10 pages on the first 10 pages, just me about world record breaking. And there's me with my name, my Tesla farm, my name, world record dog. So I'm all over the place, um, which is good. And to be honest, from that day, what it also allowed me to do is to launch my my brand and my name to help me launch where I've got to today. But it hasn't, you know, having the Vodokai is one side of my farm dream. The, the farm is the dream itself because the border collar is, you know, Sky's my friend, she's my working colleague, she helps me mentally uh, and she helps me move my sheep. But ultimately I still had to go out there and get a farm, do a farm, because at that point, still didn't have a farm as such. I was 15 acres of land with some sheep and a 7,600 pound dog, what a great idea
0: which in the in the nicest way <coughs> don't take offense to this isn't the type of person you think breaks that record no you, know, you think it's someone that's like in emma's position uh someone like emma or just someone who's got a load of money and wants to buy a dog yeah but you you have a use for this dog to a point just yeah. not massively and uh that's quite interesting it's kind of like you're 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 the last person you would think would come under that sort of bracket that was going to buy that. And for, for those listening, if you do want to hear uh, Emma and her husband Ewan's story, I think it's R2Cast50 if you want to go back and see that. But, um, yeah, like, uh, you're saying, like, at the time that you've won this, first off of the term, won, uh, won the dog. You're like, what have I done? Um yes. <laughs> Has it been worthwhile now? 110%, yeah.
1: I mean, I've been asked that question so many times by people. One, obviously, you've seen me on my social media with her. She's a phenomenal dog. I mean, also, very known as well, I'm a dog trainer. So I wasn't going out there wet, and I wasn't going out there thinking, I'm going to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but in the same token, whilst I'm a dog trainer, whilst I'm a dog behaviorist, gun dog trainer, advanced trainer, everything else, I've never, ever trained a sheep dog. Yeah. So, but training a dog is very simple. Well, I say simple, it's not, but it's very um, systematic. So I have a philosophy where you build your bond, you don't grab it or buy it. I never use food for training a dog, ever. Like so that. the first thing you do, if you build your bond, you have a beautiful relationship. Secondly, you instill basics. So you sit, you wait, you command. So the first thing I did with Sky was to teach, lie down and to come back. And that was it, and to come back off the sheep, And then I built the bond. And also at that time, I was just about getting involved in a farm which had no internal fencing. So I had to also think outside the box. And then once you've done all the basics and the bond, then you go on to the advanced. Now, if you think about it, you're casting your dog away, combined. You've got your advanced stuff look back, and you've got walk-on, stand, split off, everything else. But the same as training, say, like um, Cocker Spaniel. You're training it to sweep, left and right. So you're turning it on a whistle, pit. pit, pit, pit. you go left and right, you're stopping it, you're bringing it in, you're teaching it not to chase. So the mentality I had was, okay, I've never trained a sheep dog, but, you know, Emma was good, because Emma's there and she had this advice and, things like that. and a lot of other people helped me with guidance and you've got your YouTube and you've got things there. But because I've been researching over the years about it, I so, it's fair. I think the biggest learn heard of me was to get the training sheet and to train the training sheet mm-hmm. and to get them to come near me and understand how I needed to get them around there to get the best system out of it.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's I, it. Probably leads to quite an interesting question, in fairness, because you've been used to training gun dogs your whole life since mm-hmm. you were sixteen, yeah. Yeah, since you were a kid. Yeah, you were a kid. Yeah. Um, and then now in the last two years, you've had to had to look at training, arguably the joint most use for a dog, cheap dogs, gun dogs, in my head are the two sort of most trained dogs. Yeah. You've said sort of the slight differences there, but what what how does it differ let's i don't know how long does it take for instance to, to train a, a gun dog is do you do you have clients that bring a dog to you you have that dog for a certain period of time or do you, how does that work and then is that sim, similar to that of sheep dogs i would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors A-Plan rural Plan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the uk over and will give you tailored insurance for Anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification?
1: So that's a very good question. Uh, I'm going to give you two answers to this. So if you asked me back three, four years ago before COVID and um, before all the changes within the world, people used to send the dogs away for residential training. People used to have one to ones, group training, and come uh, and train with you. Now, over the last two years and especially the last 12 months, Training is a luxury. And in all fairness, I've stopped training at the minute. I haven't, I've torn down my training until we relocate. And there is a question as to whether I'll come back to it. I think I'm going to focus more on the sheepdog side of it. And then I'll do some gun dogs. But there's the time it takes for the dogs to be trained. Um, obviously it's quite a while. You can have a dog which can switch on and it can be ready within a year to two years. And when I say ready, it's ready to go out there and experience a bit of life live yes. situation. Or you can have a dog which can be three years down the line. You know, I've had a Springer before which wasn't ready to go shooting until it's three-year-old. Right. Um, it, was, it was good, but it just wasn't sharp enough and it was still immature. Okay. Because if you put the age of a dog, every one of our years is seven years for a dog. Yeah. So when your dog is two-year-old, it's a 14-year-old adolescent kid who's having hormonal issues
0: at 14, throwing tantrums. But the, but the, the seven-year thing's not, like, accurate in that sense. It's more of an age thing as opposed to, like, you know, when you're coming yes. to getting older in my, set, in my head. I mean, mm. a two-year-old dog's not really like a 14-year-old dog, are they? Are they not more probably at, like, my age, 25, 26 sort of age in my head? Mm. Depending, and it, it goes back to the breed and the, t- the type. You know, so if you look at Skye,
1: for example, Sky's quite mature. Um, she's very focused, very switched on to me, zoned in. Whereas I had a guy bring a collie to me the other week, a very young dog. I would say young, it was like 14 months, and it was just nowhere near it. It was too, too childish still. Um, I never single out a specific breed or age or dog. I think it's like anything. It's let's look at it, see what it's about, and then you can gauge how long or how much time is put into it. The biggest thing with any dog is your foundations. The the pitfall people have with training a dog is they don't start young enough. They spend a lot of time over loving the dog. They use a lot of food all the time, so they condition the dog to the food. The dog then sees the food more important than the person, which then when they come to training, they're having to rectify things they may have ingrained into it, so it takes longer to Get back to where they could have been if yeah. the dog was say four or five months old. now so training's not necessarily a science, it's a there's a method to it, processes, and there's a skill. But also, to be honest, in my life of training, it's more about training the person.
0: Right, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, fair. train the
1: person because they're the ones at the end of the day who are controlling the joysticks.
0: Well, they should be, I think there's a lot of cases for that isn't the case?
1: <laughs> There is a lot There is a lot of cases, trust me And you can imagine me and my job If I go to the pub and I'm sat there having a drink And I don't drink a lot, please don't think I do When I keep talking about alcohol <laughs> <laughs> But I see it And it's like naughty kids, naughty dogs And I was at, I was, this is going to be bad this. I was out for lunch yesterday And um, I was having a drink At a pub again over near I um, skipped away and there was a miniature schnauzer all the family were chatting and they've got this schnauzer on the end of an extendable lead barking at everybody else and they were just and I'm like looking I'm thinking please look at me because you will get the glares in a minute <laughs> like rein that dog in because I'm like, having a conversation with my mate you know it's like no just but again like you say there's, I, I don't think there's ever a bad dog as such there's always that small percentage but generally it's people who
0: educate them. Have you have you seen Brooklyn Nine-Night? Yes. Do you know when uh, Charles has got the dog and Jake says, establish the alpha. <laughs> and Charles yeah. establishes the dog as the alpha.
1: <laughs> yeah. but that's the thing I always it's say. Uh, yeah, I always say, most of my clients, I always say to them, you become your dog's bitch. In, in, in yeah. essence, you, you are the bitch. And and they'll say, I'm not, and then you go through the catalog of things to let the dog get away with, and they go, Wow! I mean, if you saw my Instagram, was it today or yesterday? I was walking along, I was sending an email to somebody, and next thing is a duck tucked down in the tall grasses. My dog was nose to nose on it and flushed it out. Yeah. The duck ran, but I'd stood there and watched it. Now, she's not a Spanish, she's not a gun dog. And someone said to me the other day, How have you, how do you? ever teach your dogs not to chase sheep, cows, any livestock, anything, because my dogs have never chased them. Obviously, I'm a trainer, but it's not about being a trainer. It's about educating them. They're only allowed to do things when you guide them or tell them to do it. So yeah. if you... I didn't have to say no to Sky today or yesterday whatever it was. I just carried on. and I just went, oh, good girl, and carried on sending me an email. She watched it away. If I send her out on some sheep, um, cast. Infinitely, she'll flush out hairs on my farm, ducks, geese, and she runs right through them. Keeps on the job, because all she says is, my daddy's sending me to do a job, and I, he'll be really happy with me if I go back with those sheep.
0: It's, it's a positive reinforcement, but not from a giving treats, yeah. from a giving uh, praise where desire, but not over-praising <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, i read that. What do you prefer more? Training a sheepdog or training a gun dog?
1: Okay. Before having a sheepdog, I would have always said I preferred the, the gun dogs out of it. Now, 100% without a shadow of a doubt, sheepdogs. Um, people used to say to me, What dog do you prefer if you were to recommend the breed? And if we're talking about working, not family, because I don't want people to listen to this and think, Yeah, let's go out and do one of these 101 Dalmatian things and buy uh, a, what I'm going to recommend. But if it's a working dog, board collie all day long. They're loyal. I mean, my best ever dog was called Meg's. She was uh, Megan, she was a Labrador. Me and her had such a relationship. And until the second she died, we knew what we were both thinking. Yep. And I always said nothing would ever come close to her, nothing. And Sky is possibly the closest I've ever thought I got to her. But in answer to that question, the simple thing is sheep dog. And I think because as well, you're not just you're not just training the dog, you're training it on the sheep. So you've got to control the sheep, you've got to send it out, you've got to bring it back. Also, do you work, Colleen? You know, it's like I don't go out the farm without my dog. Um, you know, and the scenarios where I'm just walking across the field through the sheep, she knows not to work them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And you know, it's that bit of there, whereas with a gun dog, they're always on edge. Don't get me wrong, they, they, they're there. But I just love the, the challenge it brings you because also the difference is, well, you have no control of the sheep. You have no <laughs> control of those sheep. If those sheep want to go left, they're going to go left. And bear in mind, I only have one sheepdog at the minute. And when I do relocate, I do have a desire to have two, not because I want to replace Sky. But I do understand that if she had an injury or something, it's gonna be a problem. I'm gonna be tripling the amount of livestock, I'm tripling the size of the farm I've got. So I'm gonna need backup, I'm gonna need help. Um, and I think it's also good as well to start so gonna be three next March to have a succession and have you're that realistic. number. Yeah, yeah you gotta be realistic. You can love, you know, I love it a bit, but we have to be realistic. So yeah, I absolutely love she dogs I think the great and Going back to what I said earlier on, my first family dogs were Border Collie and two Pincers. Although, to be honest, Dolph, who was our Border Collie, he was a snappy, unfriendly Border Collie. Great family dog, but just didn't like to mess with.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's interesting, and I think on the dog side, those that know me, <clears throat> I love dogs, like i go and have a part of them and stuff like that. But I'm, yeah. I'm probably not someone that'll have a dog uh, they're, they're not they're, they wouldn't be my choice if I wasn't working with them does that make sense yes uh, yeah. like I wouldn't choose I wouldn't choose to have a pet and the reason I wouldn't choose to have a pet dog is I think quite a selfless reason I pure I, this is purely the reason I wouldn't be able to give it the life I think I would want to if I wasn't working it uh, and and I think there's a bit of mentality and I don't think Covid's to blame for this I think it maybe mm. increased it that Folks think they're being kind by taking on a dog when, in actual fact, they're not. Uh, th- I don't know if you agree with that. Maybe that's an unfair comment. But I I'm
1: just waiting for you to finish that to to, to inter- not to interrupt that, but to agree. You said a minute ago. Oh. You know, you feel for a selfish reason you wouldn't have a dog because you can't give it the life it desires. I think I disagree. I don't think that's selfish. I think that's no. I, I said
0: talking. I said selfish, selfless. Sorry. Oh,
1: sorry, uh, I misheard yeah, you. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. So I think yeah. it's admirable because too many people get dogs thinking they can provide a life. They do this, you know, you know mum and dad and two kids, we need a dog now. Yeah. But I would say to people, I'm fire. So when you finish school, where do the kids go? Or oh, to after school clubs. So do you do swimming? Yeah. Do you do any horse riding, dancing, whatever? Yeah. What do you do at the weekend? Oh, we like to take the kids to football rugby on a Saturday. Then we go out, we do this. Do you like to go away for a night away? Yeah. So, if I said to you for the first six months, you can't do anything, what are you going to do? What do you mean? Well, you, you know, you've got a puppy, so you can't leave it for five or six hours. You're going to have to come back. Secondly, you know, you're going to have to think, I picked the kids up, I'm going to have to go back, toilet it, sorted out, weekends away, if I'm going things, i going to have this. So your whole life changes. It's not like having a baby and your baby grows in a carrier with you. A dog has to be trained, socialised, but also left at home as well. We should get separation anxiety. Otherwise. So you need to go back to it as well. No, so I, I think I there's too many people out there. And if I said to you, because I'm not training at the moment and I don't think I probably will go back to it. Um, I get one inquiry minimum per day from people saying, do you rehome dogs? Can you help me? You know, today, phone call. Fair play to the guy. You know, I can't knock him. I need help. I'm having to work 10 hours a day to pay my wage, to pay, my wage pay my wage, pay my mortgage, pay my, mortgage, pay my bills. And I've got a Labrador, he's four-year-old, and I can't give him what he needs. And I'm paying a dog walker, which is counter counteractive to what I'm earning.
0: Yeah. I doubt I rate I rate that decision being made though. Um, you know, make taking that action. I just think do you know, dog walking in itself to me as a business is insane. Like you. I think you have a dog for two reasons, to better your life and to better their life. And if you're not walking the dog, what are you getting from it? <laughs> like, Absolutely. What Absolutely.
1: Getting- and, and also then what you get is the people ring me and go, I've got a problem with my dog because it's going off. And then I'll go, so what do you do with the dog? Well, five days a week, I've got a dog walking. I'll say, look, I don't, you don't need me. It does, it does, well, I don't bring- want to work with you because what it is, you send it to a dog walker who's got 10 dogs in his pack on a field that is private to them. They're running around. They come home to mum and dad and go, you're boring. Auntie Betty down the road has got me on five days a week. She's amazing. She's yeah. my pal. I run around with every dog. So the weekend when mum and dad want to go to the park and take the, you know, the little wee little child with them and go, come on, go and have a play. He goes, yeah, of course I will. I'll run over at the field and see Bertie, that Island Terrier that we're been playing with last <laughs> week. And then they wonder why. you don't listen.
0: No, it's so true so true but um, it's a
1: business people make money because people have to work so the only way and, and it's grown dog walking has grown exponentially
0: huge yeah no i've got a good few friends that do it and like I, I actually say to them i was like trips i could not do this because the stress of having yeah. seven folks dogs man jesus it would kill me uh oh absolutely i'd never do it i would never do it because to be honest
1: i'd be murdering the honest point I'm not taking that dog. You don't do this.
0: You don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then they're going to take that dog back, and you're you're working with it, you're disciplining it, and that you're looking after it, so it's okay yeah. on the walk. And then they go back, and then that goes like, yeah. But anyway, that's a different thing. I've got one more question on dogs. If
1: yeah. you had
0: to choose between because they are both gun dogs, but I don't think you'd find two opposite dogs between training, uh, Cocker Spaniel. And a Labrador, what would you choose? Because I personally love Labrador's Labrador
1: um, all day long,
0: is it? Right, okay, yeah, I all day that long,
1: <laughs> absolutely. Because they always say Labrador's are born half trained cockers die half train. Okay. Um, but <laughs> if, if we can throw another dog into the equation and say Springer Spaniel, and I would say I love my Labrador's, but you can sometimes peak a Labrador with a Springer Spaniel because they're multifaceted. You can get a good picking up dog and a good beating dog in a Spaniel. With a Labrador, it's picking up.
0: Ah, uh, right, okay. Got you.
1: So I got I, cockers, they mad. That's why they're called cockers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they are bad. They are.
1: I've, yeah. o- I've owned quite a few. And my wildest one was called uh, Mullendale Rocket from Ian Shore down south. And I stupidly called it Jet. because it was black. Jet Rocket. And its name... Definitely was its character because it was like a jet rocket.
0: Yeah. Yeah. like how are those legs moving so quick?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. How the hell can I go down there and fly that fast for that? And then my stop becomes a a, a, a six yard stop because I'm going too fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Labradors. A, Megan was a Labrador, black. And again, if you have to what colour, black all day long.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that?
1: Um, I've owned Foxwood Labradors. They're like wild women.
0: I don't know <laughs> if I should ask anymore. more. <laughs> <laughs> will keep well, it clean, because this is like a PG show. It's, it's somewhat PG. Uh, <laughs> we'll let you decide if you want to say why. Um,
1: I mean, then, I suppose it's like, you know, you go out on a, you know, you,
0: you know, she's to tequilas and she turns up. Okay. <laughs> Yes, got you. Right. I, I think you've explained. Uh I think you've explained fine. Um but like there's you've got I don't even know what color you call the Labradors that look like golden retrievers. I don't know what colour that is. You're not on about
1: a silver one. Like
0: just like Oh, just the yellow. They call them yellow Labradors. Oh do they? Right. Okay. And then yeah. you've got chocolate black. That sort of yeah. fox in the head. Like I just assume I'm as I say, I'm not a massive dog person. I just assume they're all similar, but uh no. that's different obviously...
1: characters. Okay. Each one. If you went black, you see more black ones because they're more intelligent. The chocolates, in my opinion, are the most silliest, playfulness, (laughs) naughty ones. Fox Red are headstrong from what I've had, and what I've trained. And then the yellow ones can be playful and they can be really good as well. So they're second, really. Uh, But you tend to find, I personally have always been a a black Labrador guy. And, um, but then again, it's back to that thing. It's breeding. And it's also back to the trainer. I mean, my collie's lilac. So you could say, well, right, okay, so she's a lilac breed. Is she going to be a problem? Because most of them are black and white. No.
0: It's Yeah, true. Your collie's gorgeous. This guy's gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, she really is. I mean, um, Emma's got, I'm guessing the one you're talking about is the one I'm thinking of. The one that she gets all the photo shoots of. She has that Mm. greyish colour. that's One of the yeah. most I've ever seen, I think so Shab- she's got gray,
1: so she's got gray as the dad, but Dusty was um Sky's sister, She sold her now, right? Uh, and she has got some others in the line, <laughs> um, and like anything, I mean, she's got a number of dogs floating around all the time, aren't she? I mean, there's some phenomenal dogs she owns, and some, and she does train some up obviously to, to, to move on as
0: well. So, one you know, one which went is to, the business, one went to Charlotte Ashley, but I can't remember which one. I don't know if you know Charlotte. Um, I
1: do indeed, yeah, because she mentioned, I think i mess messaged her and um, she said something. Oh, she's got one. Well, she said, Oh, I could do a bit of help. So we have spoke and we do yeah. speak on uh, all the millions of new platforms out there, you know. <laughs> what we've we got now, we've got that threads now, aren't we? I was going to
0: say, what? I messaged you the day threads came out and I saw you the a threads account. Jings, you're keen. It.
1: <laughs> no, it's because somebody said to me, You've got to, your threads is your Instagram. It's a new way of Twitter. And I've gone off Twitter because I just think it's too political. I
0: hate Twitter. I think it's
1: just <laughs> too political. And threads, I saw it and I thought, right, well, what I want to do is protect my username.
0: Okay. Fair. Because they
1: said, I think they said there's a period of time where you can take it and add it through your Instagram account and do it. But do you know what? It's just another way of talking. It's quite quick. And they've not put all the rubbish on like the hashtags. It did Amused me yesterday, where I've seen everybody's new to it going hashtag pigs, hashtag cows,
0: hashtag that. they will bring hashtags because there's the 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 way Twitter works and threads. Let's be serious threads is met as answer to, to Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that of course it is. Is creating news, and for yeah. news to be go somewhere, it has to have keywords, and people don't mm. care about the right word and the thing they yeah. care. <laughs> I, I I haven't done it in fairness. I considered that for protecting the R two K name, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. It just it feels it feels weird. Just, right? just it's, jump in, just jump in. I'm I'm am I'm a bit of a meta loyal. I love Facebook, Instagram, but I don't know. It feels I just I just can't be bothered with the whole Twitter thing. I, I'm the most unpolitical person, like, you might call me out for this, but I don't vote like I'm very political. Oh my god, that makes me so happy. There's I don't vote. Friend. Because I look at
1: it, yeah, I look at it and I think, I'm voting for somebody who lies. This is my opinion, guys, before somebody jumps down my throat. Uh, but I just, and people, I, I don't listen to the news, because to me, news is doom and gloom. We don't report about the, the nice thing, the little granny down the road that did a good day. We talk about the little granny got mugged.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Everything to me, in my opinion, is not like the news. You go through the newspaper or the Apple News or any all the other news as you get on your phones, and you go, "Yeah, yeah, somebody's been murdered, another car's gone into somebody, whatever." And whatever it is in life, you've got to look. There's a newspaper called the Happy Newspaper, and they only produce good news in it. Right. Okay. There's no bad news. <clears throat> Hence why it's called Happy Newspaper. So they've got silly stories in there which are lighthearted. But, yeah. You know, the world's become too doom and gloom, I think. We want to tell everybody what's negative.
0: Well, I, I don't think I've watched the news. and there's, there's a guy I work with called Andrew who takes the nick out of me for this. But I don't think I've watched the news since about the 20th of April 2020 because I was just sick of 60,000 yeah. people died today. I was going to say I don't care. That's not what I mean. Like, no, I know you're saying. You know, uh, I just yeah, it's so negative, man. Like, let's let's have a nice story at the end. Let's try and realise that there is positivity in this world because all that people, people, always focus on the negative. My job, shit. Oh, I hate this or whatever. It's never. Mm. Do you know what was amazing today? Uh, and I think I think we need more folk doing that. In fairness, and I think uh, that's what I try and do because that's part yeah, of know.
1: what I'm trying to do. You know, I, as you know, I work with Yellow Wellings. And um, again, all about my, you know, like your mental health and everything else. And, you know, I've been affected by that over the years with my journey as a farmer, (laughs) being on my own. Uh, But I think, you know, sometimes, you know, I always have this phrase, and I've said this before in another interview, always find a positive out of a negative. Yeah. So if you're doing a training session with your dog and you only get 1%, that's your 1%. Walk away with that 1%. If you do a job or you go for an interview and you don't get it, Learn what mistakes you made or look at the, not the mistakes, but what did you do right? What was better? You know, in life, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I've been married twice. Don't get married, trust me. But anyway, so, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I've got a beautiful 24-year-old son out my first marriage a long time ago. You know, I've got situations which I've learned from. I've got issues that I, I shouldn't have been in. But the thing is, do you know what? That's made me who I am. You know, you could ask a question, and I know we're going to probably lead into this now, about the farming journey. And I am where I am with my farming journey, probably because I was getting divorced as well. And more so as well, because I lost my dad last year all of a sudden. And that's really catapulted me more to push into my relocation, selling my house, selling the farm, and everything else, and, and all that kind of stuff
0: tell us about selling the house and selling what you have and, and relocation. So, I mean, uh, it's a, uh, we were talking earlier, right at the start, Damien, about um, there's a couple of whiskeys there that you haven't opened and you won't until a special occasion. And I'd mentioned, you know, this is probably one. Uh, yes. Po- <clears throat> this, this podcast originally started because <clears throat> back in 2020, uh, I started R2K in 2020, April 12th, 2020. And uh, around sort of, June maybe maybe late May time people started asking like Wallace how would you get into farming and I was like I'm the wrong person to answer this I've been born <laughs> on a f- beefing 2000 acre farm I you know and I don't even work on it like I'm the wrong person to ask so I was like, like yeah. <laughs> asking people how they get in and that's how this podcast began and you're sort of almost the the, <laughs> the perfect person to talk onto that tell us t- tell us first off You said the reason why you originally got some sheep, but tell us the process of getting a farm, moving into that, and now two (laughs) years on, only two years on, looking at a pretty notable relocation and what's involved in that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, sort of just to to catalogue it, like I said, May 2021, and uh, it's funny because I'd written it down a couple of weeks ago to my diary (laughs) exactly (laughs) what I was doing, because I've been uh, interviewed to something else. But May 2021, got my first sheep, Obviously, then I acquired Sky because she was... Um, that's when I, I got her then. I, at that time, I had a friend stroke, um, old client of mine who had a farm. And I was just talking to her, went round to a house on a farm, everything else, and I said, look, you know, it's, it's, the Scorpia, the people who were sort of like <clears throat> grazing the land on a 10-month grazing license, were not really looking after it. They weren't really custodials of the land. were just abusing it so i'd have to use a little bit of land on there and and it sort of snowballed because people weren't doing the job right they weren't doing stuff and there were a few things which were not necessarily conforming to regulations so i was like i can't do that if they're doing that so i sort of just asked the question can i just take over it all? can i just come in get in here I'll renovate it. There was no electrics in the buildings, the agricultural buildings. There was no electrics or water set up right, or there was no security, no fencing. And uh, Beverly, who lives on the farm, and the time on most of it, and that's changed now, is um, was sitting there in situ on the farm bungalow, but not farming, never had farmed it. And people had just he graced it and done bits. So that was sort of, I'd say mid-summer, August time that I got involved, started to renovate all the buildings. I've got a handyman to come in with me and do things. And then I got, really, it was September 2021 when I got my first real flock of sheep, got some swale dales and some um, English mules. I'd already had my Rylands, which I'd picked up at the uh, previous land I rented in Wilpunton. They've gone now. I'll never have Rylands again. They were a nice idea they are a pain so yeah not my thing i don't want hobby sheep i don't want fluffy things which get flag strike nice every second you look at them and um and you know they're a nightmare to shear. so it was i would say september 2021 is when i really embraced farming um got in and obviously started planning my tupping and lambing and at the same time i was still at that point doing my dog training because the dog training was bankrolling the farming the, the idea behind it was let's Keep training, use the farm to train, bankroll the, the farm side of it and roll it up. Unfortunately at that time, as I just started into um, you know, the farming aspect in September, October, we hit the fuel crisis, the economy crisis, the food, the financial crisis. I got slapped with everything. So materials went up, so I had to put things on hold, um, <clears throat> feed went up. And then what got affected the most was my business because people couldn't afford to do it. So, I mean, it it just snowballed, and everybody was like, and we don't know, we're not going to train for a bit. So all the farm stuff was growing and costing, and then the revenue wasn't coming in. But on top of that, I'm a first-generation farmer. At the age of 50, no farming background, no family in farming. I didn't have one piece of farming equipment, not one. So it was like, I didn't even know about subcutaneous, intermuscular. I was like, what's this all about? (laughs) And it's like, so I inject a sheep here, but I've got a goat, where do I inject that? Or you can't do it there. And you're like, right. So understanding just the anatomy of a livestock, because to to a lot of people, the laymen who don't farm, they look at this fluffy white thing and it's two lambs (laughs) pop out and they go, Oh, look at that! Isn't it cute? And you watch a lot of the vet programs on TV, and don't get me wrong, you know they're good, but you see that knife bit. Sometimes I know it sounds awful, but sometimes I think, can we not just see where they don't survive?
0: Yeah, I I completely Mm -hmm. agree. Where
1: people realize that you've got to go near enough up to your elbow, you know, your shoulder to drag a lamb out. I mean, I had a situation this year. On my second year of lambing this year, I had a complication. Where are you? had the lamb twisted in it, we were in a horrendous storm, swimming in mud, on my knees, covered in blood, trying to take out this lamb. Couldn't get it out, my hands were too big. And no matter what I did, put a rope on it, pull it out. And then for the first time, I had to call a vet out. And I was more about saving the ewe, because I knew the lamb was dead. Yeah. But at yeah. this point, I'm trying to hold down and keep this ewe tied up in the middle of the fields, because I'm outside lambing in the worst storm we had. And... You know, you, you've not just lost the land, you've lost the revenue, and you're potentially at that point thinking, is not you going to go? So, you know, so, yeah, so it's, and then sort of from that, it's snowballed, and i bought some more livestock. And, and then, I think, probably last year, um, Beverly, who I'm in business with on the farm, so I basically got involved with the farm, then I've invested into the farm, so I now own a share of the farm. Okay. And last year, Beverly um, had uh, an operation. She had a pacemaker 20 years ago and a battery removed. Battery was removed uh, in 2021. But then after a period of time, it started to be rejected by the body. And then last year, October time, she had to have a, a full extraction and relocation. It was meant to be a three-day recovery period for me to stay on farm, because I've still got my house where I live. And it was like, we're gonna decide what to do with the farm. And at that point, there was no discussion about relocating or selling. It was like, get rid of my house and potentially put a static on the farm and live in it. Mm -hmm. So we'd already gone for the approval from the planning. That was approved, everything was done, everything was ticked to Um, But then the operation uh, unfortunately went wrong. And that then became near enough um, 15 week time I was living at the farm, um, she nearly died of me a couple of times. In fact, I had a blue light to ring from a heart attack, which I got a box from. Um, and, you know, to say the least, not only were I trying to still manage my house, and trying to earn some money, and try and grow the farm, and look after somebody. And I mean, 24 hours <clears throat> in a house that wasn't set up for two people to be at. So I was living in a small little building i converting the barn with rain coming through the roof. And it was winter and I was one night genuinely sat there with two jackets on with a little heater at the side of me. And I didn't realise that I was also poisoning myself with butane gas because I had a butane gas heater at the side of me. And for a couple of days, I thought, I'm not feeling well. And then my, my plumber who works for me doing some jobs said, you're poisoning yourself because you're locking up everything up. And I'm not stupid, but when you're trying to keep warm... So, yeah, so that wasn't good. So that that was last year, 2022. And but Beverly's now, you know, getting better and she's a lot better than she was. And we just sat down one day and I just said, look, I'm managing the farm. I've got an investment in here. Got my house. I want to sell my house. Because I was 30 minutes from my farm. So it becomes ridiculous. Some days you can be two hours driving in the morning and at night. So... We made a decision, and because I manage it all, to sell it all. Right, okay. And we just said, Do you know what? Let's sell a farm. Let's sell my house. Let's sell everything. Let's relocate. And the only rule, not rule, sorry, the only stipulation we both had was it had to be north of the border, not below Lancashire and Yorkshire. Yeah. We looked at Scotland. and uh, We looked northeast, northwest, Cumbria, Yorkshire. But... As you appreciate being in farming um, yourself as a family, finding a farm isn't easy. No. <clears throat> but to, to also put that to perspective, my farm currently is a 64 acre farm with a small house on it and loads of buildings. But the buildings aren't proper what I call agricultural buildings. They're more stone built, ready for conversion into houses. So we wanted, I wanted more livestock buildings, but I also needed at least two houses yeah. because <clears throat> me and Beverly are friends. So we're business partners. So she needs a property and I need one. So after a lot of following around, driving around, speaking to people, word of mouth, talking, found a place in Yorkshire. And we are, hopefully, fingers crossed, still a bit quiet yet exactly where we are going. (laughs) Um, But we are relocating because we don't want to jinx it. All the governors are just falling. So we're going over to Yorkshire. Uh, what I can say is it's between Skipton and Harrogate, so it's in the middle of that <laughs> beautiful place um, and we have got a 130 acre farm <clears throat> now to many they'll go oh, that's not a big farm compared to yours
0: yeah but it's, I guess it's better quality uh,
1: it's good grass there's some hills to it the lowest point on the farm is 160 um, is it feet or metres 160 metres To the highest point of 290 metres, we are surrounded by phenomenal grass moors. Yeah. And just outstanding natural beauty. Um, So it's been a hard buy and a hard find. Um, My house is sold, the farm is sold, everything is going through. Um, And I think it's a big challenge and change because I'm a Lancashire lad born and bred. And I'm, I'm, I'm taking the risk of going across the border, having a technos and everything else, <clears> going over to Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a big, big
0: thing, that, though. It's a big thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, it's a, and it's, it's a big thing. Is there any
1: struggles with that? There's a, a lot of struggles. So, for example, you're going to, uh, please don't laugh out loud with this one, but. I've been to the property probably three times to look at the land, the buildings, the scenery, what it's like in different weathers, what the drainage is like, um, how the land lies, what I can do with it. But even to today, we've never walked in the houses yet.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, you're, you're famous for buying things that you haven't seen before. So uh, yeah, it's literally one of your things. So maybe, maybe there'll be another thing that comes with <laughs> this.
1: Uh, so the reason being is, is that the property um, comes from an old farm that was renovated back in 2005. And basically, there's a few hamlets of, of old York stone houses down there, which are farmer-style things. <clears throat> and they were rented. And it was like, you, you get access to everything else and the distance is, you know, it's a good few hours away from where it is. So I just went, floor plan, 2005, everything's bang. Let's just do it. And I think, back to what you said a minute ago, let's take a risk. Yeah. <clears throat> Worst thing that happens, they've got water, they've got electric, they've got a roof, and you can live in it. And, you know, back to the challenges. Are the challenges? Yes, because I'm going to have to... There's a big house which one's going to have. And then the standing joke at the minute is the two little stone bungalows, which I'm going to knock together. And people are telling me I'm getting my retirement bungalow early. (laughs) So I'm going to have my last little, you know, no steps in there. So obviously when I get a bad leg from chasing the sheep, I'm all right. Um, But the challenges are going to be setting it all up as well, because, you know, one, we've got a lot more buildings. So as a first generation farmer, I don't have a tractor yet. I'm going to have to invest in a agricultural vehicle to move things around. I'm very fortunate that... I mean, when I started farming, the biggest investment I made was my quad bike and I've had that for two years. And you've probably seen on my story, I invested into a CF motor quad bike and I'm very lucky that I am now one of only two ambassadors in the UK. I think I know who the of, other
0: one is, funnily enough. You I might think, know, in I'm fact. Sure. I think he's yeah. in your
1: neck woods. Yeah. yeah. One of two yeah. uh, ambassadors. So, yeah, I don't mind mentioning Cammie. Uh, obviously, the shit-game guy is the other one. And to say that, I'm quite proud of becoming one because first-generation farmer, no background, and they want me involved with them is a massive accolade. In fact, tomorrow is the start of the Great Yorkshire Show, and I will be there tomorrow on their stand. I know this will go out after that. So don't turn up tomorrow, please, in Yorkshire. (laughs) (laughs) At the Yorkshire showground standing there going, stand 002, 0002, where
0: are you? I think Royal Welsh will be on if they turn up tomorrow when this comes out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm not at the Royal Welsh show, but no, seriously. (laughs) um, and, and that's my you know, I've had, I had the bag. And I think another reason they involved it with me is because I'd invested in the bag. I'm somebody who's not gone out there and got one. But that's my biggest investment initially for agricultural machinery. because, And it's been a godsend. But moving to my new farm, the challenges are going to be setting up. I'm increasing my livestock from... <clears throat> I currently have about 150 sheep on site because I've downscaled it a little bit. But my plan is to be lambing 350 next year. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> That's a big jump and that is going to be on my head because again, I can't afford to employ people at the minute. I do rely on um, a friend of mine who comes every Wednesday to help me out um, <clears throat> because of Beverly's situation with the medical situation. She no longer manages and gets involved with the livestock because as you'll appreciate yourself as a um, farming family, <clears throat> goats, sheep, they, they have her. pigs especially, I've got pigs that can knock somebody off guard these seconds. So, that safety on the farm to me is paramount. Um, so, it was, and I think the other challenge as well is networking. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> networking. What I have to say, one of the biggest things that's helped me in my journey as a farmer is social media. I have established some amazing friends on social media, like yourself today, asking me on Instagram, what have I kind of to come on your podcast uh you know i mean social media is the way that we can connect we can interconnect we can communicate and we learn off each other
0: and you're for, for those listening damien is i've been called prolific before but wow <laughs> uh, if you want to follow him it's tesley moore farm on just about everything i've yes. not come across a platform that you are not on we had a laugh 10 or 12 10, 10 or 15 minutes ago <laughs> He seemed to be on threads before Zuckerberg was. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's on everything. Go check it out. There's a lot going out there. I think, is it you, like, 3,500 posts on Instagram or something like that? Uh, uh,
1: yeah, I think, I'm not sure. I mean, let's just start a quick scan on that, because obviously that would be a good thing. But uh, I think from
0: memory it was 3,400
1: my... or something like that. Uh, not bad, 3,464. So it's closer uh, it was We're doing all right there. I could do... We could do with a few more
0: followers, so you know, let's get up to that 10k. You know, yeah, get it monetized. But, no well, here, but, I was going to ask you one thing about social media, Eddie. I mean, we, we all know how social media works. We all know whatever, and and networking's great. But one thing you speak about a lot, and you, you've mentioned that you've been through two divorces, your business partner stroke, friend has a tough time, made you know, uh, physically and requiring medical attention lately. Uh, you speak a lot about mental health. Um, could you tell us about that and why, why you do speak about it so much? You're, you're a Yellow Wellies ambassador from a farm safety, but I assume <laughs> major perspective as well. Why, why do you speak about that so much?
1: Um, I think, I mean, <laughs> it, it came to light last year because my father um, all of a sudden got diagnosed with asbestos cancer and within a very short period of time uh, was given pretty much no time to live. And in fact, on the Monday that he was told, it was like, you know, you're on a cliff kind of thing. He was admitted on a Wednesday, and that was it. That was the last time he ever really spoke or did anything. Wow. <clears throat> and he, he passed a few days later. Now, my dad was seventy three. Um, now, in, in, in when you tell people that, people go, "Wow!" I mean, he was a fit guy, playing golf all the time. Him and my stepmom were massive golfers. Um, avid going away, drinking, having a life. You know, he looked after himself. But you know, <clears throat> that sort of hit. And I was sat one night in my kitchen where I am here now, and. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't anything. I wasn't like on that sort of. There are a lot of people out there who are thinking, you know, sometimes is it worth it? And I started to think about. I live on my own. Got divorced. I've had a few personal issues. A little bits about Lost my dad. But when I come into the kitchen and when I come into my house, and I close that door, it's me. <clears throat> you know, there's people out there who talk to you, and you've got friends, but if I'm being honest and I'm not being negative, a lot of friends are acquaintances. you okay. have got some good, you've got some good friends. We've always got good friends. But there's people you talk to during the day or social media. But when that five o'clock whistle comes or six and whatever it is, they're doing the wrong thing. And I was sat one night and I was just thinking, you know, if it wasn't for my dog, I'd be very depressed. Okay. Because I've no one to talk to. And I'm not a depressed person. And I sat there at two o'clock in the morning and I wrote an article and in fact, if you do Google my name um, and put in Damien Boston, Yellow Wellies, there are, I think, one or two articles. And in fact, my article that I wrote has been published by them. I think it's on their website and it is under Google. <clears throat> and it just explains what I was thinking and the fact that I can understand and I can have empathy. Because not only was I first generation farmer, but at financial times with the financial crisis, I was thinking, <clears throat> should I be doing this? To continue it, I've got a farm with no fencing. I've got sheep everywhere. I've got this. I'm working on my own. Just lost my dad. What do I need to do? So I just wrote an article, and in fact, I sent it off to Yellow Wellies. And another reason why I sent it to them was because I noticed on a lot of their social media that they seem to target 18 to 40 year olds. And one of the things, being a first generation farmer at 50, there isn't. And on an interview I had a while ago, I think it was got Farmers' Guardians, what it was, I said to them. There's a young farmers. There's all this about young farmers, but there's not oldie farmers. There isn't a club out of
0: there. there is, of which there's more of. More of.
1: <clears throat> Correct. But not the only country. that, the oldie farmers are the ones who've got kids, families, mortgages, and all the real hard commitments that they've got to keep paying for. And no disrespect to the young ones, because some do, but they're out there. A few beers, bad night, they've been out contracting, farming, having a little laugh. And, you know, there are people out there who don't always do that. But I'm saying, so I sort of thought, I'm going to write to them and say, I don't seem to fall in your demographics, but I think you're missing the the point here that there is a lot of the older people, and suicide after reading it all in farming is very high, and it's at the highest it's been for a long time, and depression is high. And I thought, if I didn't have my dog, if I didn't have some of my friends on social media, I think there would be... Certainly, um, a question as to whether I could still continue and mentally keep myself afloat.
0: The the mental health and the suicide numbers in farming is what's the word embarrassing as an industry. I mean, I just googled it as you (laughs) said there forty four suicides were registered in England and Wales in twenty twenty in the farm industry, and that's we don't employ a lot of people in this sector you know like that's a that's a no. scary figure <laughs> and it, there's so many reasons i did a small video and that's
1: those registered because some people won't want to be registered because yeah. yeah, they won't want to know you know i mean there's those are the ones which have been registered within the farming and are allowed to be registered
0: no you're you're absolutely right yeah absolutely right um i did a small video with the bbc talking about the challenges of far uh, challenges of farming and uh I said something in it and someone messaged me saying that's really resonated with me and that the sentence was <laughs> something along the lines of um, you find yourself loan working, office operating as a, sorry, kitchen off operating as an office and the uh, challenges of, of many falling on the shoulders of a few. And yeah, it's, there's other industries like that, but I think we are, I still think we're behind. I think we, yeah. because of the challenges of feeding the nation and the challenges of are we going to a subsidy in five years time and the challenges of increased food prices, but not directly proportionate increased prices going to farmer. Like we're in a a spot where we are seeing mental health produce and we're seeing problems with mental health increase. And I don't know what the solution is. And it's really sad. And I think what part of the solution start to the solutions, what you're doing, Damien, talking about it, telling the stories of it. Um, I think it goes back
1: to a point sorry to interrupt there a point where and I raise it quite often and Yellow Wellies raise it as well as a society and I've said this many times and I think I wrote it in my article the typical British people you walk if I walk past you morning you know what I mate? Mean? your typical British answer is yeah are you yeah good and we walk off <laughs> we, we're not open to discussion a lot of times and because we're embarrassed and one of the um Advertisement Yellow Welly did in the year was when they walked past a farmer and one of his work staff or somebody walked past the morning, you're all right? And then they doubled back and they walked back to him and they said, no, seriously, are you all right? Yeah. And at that point, they opened up a dialogue. And I think we, that word there, dialogue, is where we need to try and open up and talk to people and <clears throat> just communicate and have a, have a chat with them. And, you know, for somebody like me who's new to the game and, you know, I'm at the moment... Got so many balls I'm juggling in the air with selling, buying, relocating, finding out how to get my livestock over there and machinery and everything else. It all sits on my shoulders. I can't come home and talk to a partner or anybody yeah. else or anything I want to do because it's like it's my problem. It sits with me. So if something goes wrong, I beat myself up. If something goes right, you're quick to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. it's like, yeah, I've just got 150 sheep in, in five minutes, yes. But then it's like, God, they've just kicked me in the leg. So you forgot you you know, yeah. when you're moving yeah. on. And, and it is, and, and you're right. There's, there's a, I don't know how it can be combated, but I think as long as we, we make a noise and we try and let people listen to that voice and, and every little bit helps.
0: There's a thing, and, and you might disagree with me in this, Damien, and feel free to, but I've I've disagreed with this for some time. And it's the saying it's okay to not be okay and, and hear me out before you sort of No, I agree.
1: It. it is, it's right.
0: Yeah, I I agree that it's okay to not be okay, but let's get you out of that state. <laughs> yes. I think yes. I think we've we've glorified it's okay to not be okay. And yeah, I think it's yeah. I I hugely disagree with that term.
1: I totally think, you know, if we go back to something I said earlier, try and find a positive out of a negative. So rather than sitting there and discussing why do you think there's a problem there, where can we get to? How can we get out of that? What can we do to help? What can we do to to improve? And I try and do that with my farming. If I get up in the morning and something's a problem or something's not right, you know, even with the move, the complication of selling you Know two houses, buying you know, a farm and a house, and then uh, a farm, and doing it all in the logistics of it is phenomenal because I, you know, people who move houses think that's a problem, but then tell somebody that you're going to move livestock, machinery, all the other stuff, and then try and get it all there without like a jigsaw puzzle. And that again, you know, the way to be sure about it, I try and just bat it away and think, right, tomorrow's a new day, let's crack on, there's something not right, you know, we'll have to combat it and we'll
0: find a solution i think there's a lot of pressure of folks that are employed as well in farming like i think and this isn't just farming i think in general you know i'm an employee of a company um but there's there's a general sort of what's the word um feeling that you know do your job obviously make sure you're doing it right whatever but there's also a don't take yourself too seriously like you're you're doing your best you're doing what you can and you're probably the high standard and I've lived by that so much in the last three years that you know what I'm doing a podcast and maybe there's an issue or I'm teaching and maybe there's an issue or I'm doing whatever Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to do it better next time but I'm not Mm -hmm. gonna kill me like life is not worth that we're here to we're here to contribute but most importantly we're here to have a nice long life that we enjoy and it's it's probably a privileged statement. I know I'm in a privileged situation, but I wish some people would hear me saying that because there's people out there that that are working in jobs that are, are of necessity as most of our jobs are. Um, yep. And they get treated like shit on the daily and I, mm. it kills me seeing it, man. It really does. Yeah. That's, you're oh, there, right. you see your family, you're there more than you see your partner, you're there more than you see your pet in a lot of situations. And yeah I just wish folk could realize there's more to life than that job you will find something elsewhere they don't care if you leave like yeah I wish I could get that out to people Um, I think you know just to jump into there, and that's one of the
1: things if you take my dog training business I've been running that dog training business for a long time and I've grown it every year and if you think about it all of a sudden when the, the hard times hit for everybody they just went bye yeah for sure so if you think about that there's no loyalty there's no, you know, you work for a company and if you got ill tomorrow, you passed away or something happened, they'll replace you. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's a phrase, is you there know, they say, you know, a lot of people live to work. And realistically, I think in society now, we need to try and find more about, to, to give ourselves an enjoyment. And farming for me is hard, but it's an enjoyment. And if you ask me, would I change it? Never. Whatever, stop doing it? No, this is me now until I can't farm the land. <clears throat> That's me. And my plans for the farm are amazing. I want to grow. And also I have a little dream. Don't think it's achievable yet, but I have a dream because on the farm, there is a beautiful stone building that is crying out for some <clears throat> diversification. Yeah. And I really want to try and work with children with cancer young children with cancer, end-of-life treatment, where they can experience some farm sensory stuff, uh, <clears throat> where they can just at least come and just see things or do things um, and give them just something there to, to work to. I've, lo- I've looked into it so far. It is very complicated to do, but it's not a no. And I think once I get up there, I'm going to focus manage it a little bit on the side because I believe in farming as well. If you're custodians of the land and everything and you can utilise it for something else, I think diversification, we've got to look at that. And I think giving something back to the community, I'd be fortunate. I couldn't do what I'm doing now without my friend Beverly because I couldn't go 100% and buy a farm, sold my property and invested some. I've got shares in it and then my extra percentage of such is being worked out on a farm management because I'm going to manage her share of the farm. So that gives me that. So my philosophy is because I've been, I've asked, I've been at the place at the right time and I've had somebody who supported me and helped me and I've helped them, I'd like to give back a bit.
0: I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, the Scottish Farmer. And I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. That's uh, gorgeous, and I'm going to explain this word, selfless. No, explain this word, just make sure you hear it right. <clears> yeah, I understand selfless. what you're saying. Yeah, it's lovely. That's really nice. Really nice. <clears throat>
1: There's too many people who are too greedy, and they can get things, and then they forget where they've come from and how they've got on that journey. And it's very easy for people to get complacent and think, well, I've done that. But realistically, You know, somebody's helped me. I've put a lot of work in. Don't get me wrong, but and therefore I feel that I want to do something with the land. I want to do something with what the beauty I'm going to be able to live in and give something back. You know, and work with people like yourself to educate people. You know, I'd love to do a podcast like you do. I love it. You know, I love to talk to people. I can tell, and I love to get out there. You know, I'll be out there. I've got a face for radio. That's why I'm on my Instagram and. You know, but I'm not afraid of going out there talking and educating. And I think as well, there's no stupid question. There's oh. just a question. You ask a question, if you don't know what the answer is, ask it. So what? Somebody laughs at you, who cares? Because they've had to learn one day.
0: But the, that is such a good point. And it, it's funny. I'm a lecturer, right? I'm 26. I started lecturing at 23. As far as I'm aware, that's the youngest person in this company doing it. And yeah i hear the statement so often oh you'll know that you're a lecturer <laughs> fuck i do <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you know yeah i know a lot about food security and a lot little, little of the stuff i teach but you go on a farm tour with me and i'll be the one that's asking questions that everyone's like didn't you know that and i'm like no i didn't now i do you know and like there's there's <laughs> there's Okay, do you know, I would actually, I would disagree somewhat. There is such a thing as a stupid question, but don't be embarrassed by it. I ask them all the time.
1: <laughs> that that the stupid question for me is, do you want to get married? Oh!
0: <laughs> do you take this uh, lady to be your lovely No, winner? no, 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 it's,
1: no, no. No, no is... but no, it, it's, like you said, and as a lecturer, you'll see at the time, you know, you, you're dealing with people at the time who are there to learn and absorb and and, and 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 listen, but they also as well sometimes, like you said, you don't always know the answer. and. I found that in farming. I've got people who I talk to, and and they'll give me advice on, on Instagram. I've met some really good friends. I've got a good friend, Carl. You've interviewed him before. Uh, yeah, Carl, Sam Farmer.
0: Yeah, Carl Frank- Franklin.
1: Yeah, Franklin. We speak near enough every every day, every other day, and he's been a fantastic help. And you know what he's doing now is phenomenal. And he's into regenerative farming. He's landed a very good job on this estate thing, and it's brilliant. But he helps me. But there's been times when I've gone, that's a great idea. And then i said something and he goes, yeah, that's not a bad idea. That. And I think, you know, <laughs> even the most experienced farmers, because I'm looking at it from an outside perspective, that's one thing which I'd be fortunate enough to do. I'm not following my granddad, my dad, yeah. my uncle. <laughs> I'm going which in. Is here. Curse,
0: which is a curse in a lot of ways. Yeah,
1: yeah because anyway. I'm going in and I'm, I'm setting my own parameters. Yeah. Like I used to say to people when I used to employ staff in my business, you know, I get somebody who come in and they've been working in a company and they've worked in that company for a long time. And then I get somebody who's just fresh, not got a lot of experience, but they've got something about them, a bit of buzz. And I'd say to my HR, I'm gonna take that one who hasn't got that five years in that role. And I'd say, because they'll work with me, they'll mold with me and they'll help me grow, but they'll have fresh ideas. Whereas the other one will come in, and because they've done a job for five years, they'll try and change what we do to go their way, and also are not really open to change. And I found in farming—not saying everybody is, in, but some of the people I've met and some of the farmers I've met, some of the older generation, there is a, a tunnel vision. It's that way or no way. <clears throat> you there's, know, there's they've a, always done it that way.
0: Yeah, there's a tunnel. Absolutely. I mean, I. I talk about this in my job, you know, I I take on, I don't take on, I, I start teaching, <laughs> this will make you sick, David, I can take on a student this year, born in 2008,
1: um, Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes me feel old, like, it makes me feel Those old. It does make you
1: feel that. Like, are you sure you're only that
0: age? <laughs> yeah, exactly, like. <laughs> 2008, you must be like three. No, no, it turns out you can be 15. Like, it's insane. Um, it is insane, isn't it? it yeah. makes me feel really old. <laughs> but um, but, but these these folk are coming, yeah, and, and and they're 15, yeah, or they're 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, or some are 35. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But they're like, um, oh, dad did that, or grand did that, or mum did that, or whatever. And I'm like, great. Have you ever considered this? Nah, 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 I can't be doing that. And I'm like, why not? oh well that's what they did there's a massive mentality but the thing i was going to say and i think it's the worst thing is and i have a lot of people new to farming young folk or yourself whoever like new to farming and and, uh, this is one of the biggest challenges they see and it annoys me is people expect you to know everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's definitely there and it's it's infuriating man. it's infuriating um like I've I've got a degree in agriculture and a master's in food security, but I openly admit I don't know near 10% of everything there is to know, you know. Um because that
1: comes with experience as well, experience 100%. and also learning on the job. Every day is a school day.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Every day, no matter how good you are at your job, even as a dog trainer, you can seek something and go, Wow, that works that way. I remember doing something with Sky and I was training there. I think, I don't know who it was. I think it was a guy on TikTok and he'd done something. I thought, do you know what they've just done there? i just tweet that little bit there. I'll get that pushing out there. And it was just nothing major. But seeing that, I thought that's a good little hack that kind of thing. And it's just
0: always wanting to advance your knowledge. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. And it's a, uh, and it's, it's uh Every day's a school day is a thing my mum used to say to me all the time, and I'm like, Pfft. "Oh, thanks." Uh, so now
1: what are you doing is putting me older? No
0: no, 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 you're younger than my mum. You're younger than my mum. Just uh,
1: <laughs> I, I think that's called a backward backward compliment.
0: No, no, there was no compliment in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, she, I'm loving you, mate. The, the reason I'm saying this is she used to say it to me all the time, and. Uh, I just like oh, nonsense, but oh my god, it's so true! It's so true.
1: Like, uh... when I moved to Yorkshire, I'm, I'm the first day I arrive there, I am going to be on a excuse me, put a steep learning curve. Forget the hill I'm going to be climbing, but um, it's going to be a steep <laughs> learning curve because I haven't got the size of agricultural buildings I've got now. I haven't got the diversification of the land, the gradients, the grade of land. Some of it's a bit more rough ground. Pasture, everything else. So every day, I'm going to be getting up, and I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to learn how to storm wall. You're
0: going to have to learn what?
1: Stormwalling, I've got no yeah. hedges. Um, yeah. So, well, well, on this, if anybody out there really does want to have a little bit of an experience, come and teach me how to storm wall. Jump on my social media DM there. Me. I would love to learn how to storm wall because I'm going to have to.
0: You should go see Gareth wynne Jones. He's bloody good at it.
1: Yeah. It's, um, Tom Carlisle as well. You know the
0: Dale Farmer? I don't think the farmer. I don't know that name. You know
1: what? Yeah, he's uh, another con corner from me. In fact, he's, the, the irony of it is, when I move to Yorkshire, I'm going to have more friends over there than I've got over here in the farming community. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was interviewed the other obviously, you know, by the two girls in Yorkshire, and then I've got... Um, I've got... Um, on there I've got other people A lady who works for me As freelance copywriter In the business She's known me for a long time She's 15 minutes away Her son Is like Into um, He's now doing agriculture He's a gamekeeper But he's got contracted stuff So I'm already Networked up there So it's like yeah. Yes
0: Going I've never heard of that uh, deals farmer before though. There you are
1: Yeah have um, you seen it He's got a, a little um, I, I'm, I'm plugging him now or something
0: Plug <laughs> away What's what his name I was like? going to
1: say um, Tom Carlisle, and it's Dale's farmer, right. and he's round the corner from where I am. But he also has um, constant Pods. Pod. Now he is—he's a cracking guy against somebody who I communicate with. But again, people like him, he's been helpful of asking questions. But his his Instagram's quite funny because he, he talks about things and some funny stuff. But he's educated as well.
0: Well, oh, rather these, than just they amazing, they seem brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, awesome. need to,
1: you need to look at one of his uh, Instagrams where he teaches people how to put a fleece back on a sheep when it's been shown.
0: I'm going to guess it's in reverse.
1: Absolutely. But, <laughs> he got quite, yeah, but he got quite a few people with it.
0: Did he? Yeah, I can imagine. I Absolutely.
1: Because he said, I've just been asked the question. Uh, can I, you know, what happens if I shear them? And then that day it goes wet and cold. What did they do? He said, we'll put it back on.
0: <laughs> that's that's a bit like when um there's i'm from an island so we've obviously got beaches and uh, someone had posted a thing on the local community forum saying it's amazing what nature can do look at this and it's like this perfect funnel up mm. the beach and uh, it yeah. took like a good hundred folk commenting before the local farmer was like i was just down cleaning my plow <laughs> <laughs> was brilliant but it again was,
1: it goes back to i think social media uh, in farming if it's done right it can be fun as well
0: yeah yeah 100% 100
1: I try and do my little witty things on the morning I'm in there with the pigs. Jesus Christ i just putting my frigging leg would want to come here and if you see me on a Wednesday with my friend Nadine we have a bit of a laugh there I take the mark out about how many pies she'll eat and the cake she has whatever but people love it they come all the time
0: they follow it for the fun as well 100% 100% and do you know there's one thing you mentioned that you were plugging Tom there I, I, I have never, ever cared about folk plugging things on the podcast. I love it. And actually, you mentioned um, an interview you did recently, and I'll happily plug other podcasts as well with Becca and Lizzie. Uh, if you are listening, if you've enjoyed Damien's story today, uh, go back and check Becca and Lizzie's episode with him. I think it's called Why I Bought the Most Expensive Sheepdog with Damien Barson. I think something like that.
1: It um, is, yeah. And it talks a bit about my farming and my journey and everything else. And uh, I mean, they're two, two cracking girls as well. And Yorkshire. That way, neck of the woods. So, yeah, um, everyone does know.
0: have a feeling, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, they're,
1: they're my newfound
0: friends in Yorkshire. <laughs> that's it. That's it. No, it's, it's, you know, Becca and Lizzie and I have known each other for probably 18 months. They were going to come to the farm on Arran doing their Scottish tour, uh, when, right. when, when they were boots and heels with the with Farmers Weekly. Yes. And uh, as always happens with the boats on Arran, they, they didn't work. So uh, it was a shame. But uh, I have met Lizzie, but I've never met <laughs> Becca. So uh, that's hopefully, hopefully. Well, I'm
1: hoping we're hoping, and this isn't guaranteed yet. But when I do relocate, they'll hopefully and they did suggest that they might do an on farm podcast yeah. with my new journey, which would be quite nice because you know again it's nice where people want to know about it, and like yourself, you know, with me tonight, it's uh, nice to be able to use platforms like this to be able to talk about what I'm doing, and and I think as well to hopefully give other people scope and opportunity and ambition to want to think you know what if this guy can do it at 50 he's got no experience no knowledge no farming family nothing and he's gone out and asked the question can I and and you know that's, if it gives 1% hope to somebody I yeah. think it's better than nothing I think it's something where and it hopefully will give the younger generation involved, somebody might listen to it and go well he's there doing it so I'm fitter than him <laughs> I'm younger than him yeah. So you know, there's an opportunity to do it, and if he's not afraid of doing it and making a change, because that's the thing, change is one of the biggest fears people have.
0: Change, it's you know, it's we're, one of the most we're... exciting things to me. I get scared to stay still. <laughs> like I love that sort of idea, jump into something new. Like It must be a nightmare for an employer because I'm like, oh, what what can we try different? Let's try something different, or what's next? Yeah, you know, like I just love the idea of it, yeah?
1: Yeah, I'm not afraid of embracing change and looking at ideas. As you can tell with what I'm doing and buying the dog and doing the farm and then jumping into a new farm, and and you're right in what you said earlier on, just under two years, within two years, I've, I've, I've gone so far on my journey, and I'm not even in second gear yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that.
1: You know, I've still got a lot more to do because as we said, you know what challenges will I have on the new farm? A lot. Machinery. I'm gonna need something to be able to adapt to the new terrain, the new um, yeah, yeah, yeah. obstacles, obstacles I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have to network. I'm gonna need when I get in there, there's things that are gonna to need to be done and tidied up immediately. Um and, and things like that. I'm very fortunate as well. The people who are buying the farm from they are well respected and known in the area. So I have fortunate that I know that I'll be able to pool their resources of contacts as well, which is key to me. I've already been over there and about for lunchroom sweetening the the, the, the land.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's important. It's important keeping the locals on side. But um, no, here listening, David, uh, David, it's been an absolute pleasure Uh, for those of you listening. Um, that's been uh, Damien Barson. There is two questions that we ask before the end of every podcast though, so he's not <laughs> free to go yet. As I mentioned, uh, there is another podcast with Becca and Lizzie there. Go check that out. And also check out Becca and Lizzie's podcast in general. Interesting story about them. They started <clears throat> about, I think, six weeks after I did uh, under a different name with a different company. Um, they've now rebranded as as Becca and Lizzie and uh, are killing it as they have since day one. They, they started talking about uh, Becca, who's been a fifth-generation farmer, Now, uh, not now, with Lizzie, who is completely new to farming. They worked at a company that begins with V. I can never remember what it's called, uh, a poultry company. And they, they started creating this this podcast that can show <coughs> you do not have to be from farming to be in farming, which is the exact, um, exact sort of story I try and put over as well. So go check them out. Uh, they are much better podcasters than I am. But unfortunately... <laughs> You will find me on there at one point on their Instagram Live as well. So that was an unfortunate time uh, during their their podcasting time. But uh, yeah, the last couple of questions for yourself, Damien, are um, one, and this is an interesting, both are very interesting for yourself in fairness because of your situation. One, where do you see yourself in five years? And two, if you had any tips for folk coming into farming, what would they
1: be? Okay, so the first one, where do I see myself in five years? Um, obviously relocated. Um, hopefully with... Um, <clears throat> A successful farm that has grown um, obviously hopefully a house as well renovated that i can live in um, i think um something that i can enjoy uh, embracing it looking at diversification and learning learning more it's just and and more importantly smiling enjoying it
0: it's the most important um, thing i don't care what anyone says
1: yeah and the other question um was sorry again that was uh,
0: yeah, if you, if you had any tips for folk coming into farming and what, what a person you are to ask that as well.
1: Ooh, okay, first thing, don't be afraid to ask. Um, don't be afraid to go out there and knock on people's doors. Uh, if you see an opportunity, every small opportunity could be a big opportunity. And if you see something, grab it, have a go. The, there's only two things that can happen. You can either say yes or no. And, and don't be afraid of being told no. Because, you know, too many people see a no as a negative. No, it's it's a positive because it means you've got another opportunity down the line to ask somebody else or find the right opportunity and just embrace. And if you've got an ambition, Mm -hmm. even if you can't achieve it today, like me, don't think you can never achieve it. Give it time. Go a different route. You know, like yourself, you don't work on the family farm, but you're still involved with this podcast and your job and other things within the farming community. And there are different ways to go into it. So if you can't find a way of getting onto a farm, then look at other ways of how you can be involved in the industry. There's so many different sectors that are open to people to learn. And then like you say, you talked about Becca and Lizzie, you look at Lizzie, how she's gone into it. And and all of a sudden she's, I think she's, in fact, tomorrow she's on the, uh, she's doing a catwalk with some wool clothing.
0: That's right, yeah. Which, funnily enough, (laughs) I I emceed at the Highland show. (laughs) Did you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah,
1: just just embrace life. Just have a go. um, And, you know, don't get hung up on what you've not achieved. Just look at what you want to achieve. And try. Try. If you don't try, then you're going to, you know, end up failing by not
0: trying. You know, first off, love them all also love that your five years is doing something similar to what you're doing um one thing I don't think I don't know if this is a saying I'm, I'm a bit of an idiot in some ways Damien because I don't understand sayings people say sayings and I'm like <laughs> I'm not what you mean uh so I don't know if what I'm about to say is a saying I've got a feeling there's something similar but I have always thought <clears throat> every time you go through a door into a room there's an exit door if you need but if you don't go into that door you don't know what's behind it and it's like Correct. I don't think I've said no to anything in my life yet. I don't think I have. I might have, but I say yes to a fault. Uh, people are like Wallace, stop it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I've never regretted it, man. I mean, I've I've went and I've done stuff, and I'm like, well, I'm not doing that again. But like you said, yeah. there's mm-hmm. a positive in that negative, and it's I know not to do that again. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I can channel that time into something else. So yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, it's- you're right. If you open
1: that door and you go in, if it's not the right door. You move on,
0: yeah, yeah, love it every time. Uh, but no, thank you very much for your time. I hope you've enjoyed it yourself.
1: It's been an absolute pleasure meeting you and talking with you. I absolutely love what we've spoke about tonight, and I've also have listened to your podcasts in the past and and, and I've enjoyed them. So uh, they are and uh, very jovial and uh, lighthearted, which is what I like to hear.
0: The guests make it what it is, mate. <laughs>
1: uh, Thank you. I
0: like that compliment. Throw it in at the end. You're not having <laughs> a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, yeah. Send it up. I'll get you my address sent over. Um, what is it I said? I was actually quite proud of this. Uh, a host makes a series, but the guest makes the episode. Um, but it's... Uh, it's oh, well, man, thank I, you. I just love doing it. You meet folk like yourself. You meet whoever. Yeah. just meet... I, I think the person that, I've, you know... I text, uh, I text Lizzie just as you were talking about her saying I just gave you a shout out and she's just said Damien is fab. Uh, there you are. <laughs> uh, Sorry <Time> <laughs> Lizzie you're getting two shout outs now but um, oh, I was going to say there. Yeah like and this is in no way taken away from all the other 119 people I've met but I say this quite often. I've interviewed the food and policy lead for the country of Rwanda. Like that's insane. <laughs> And this yeah. is just from, I started in the room, funnily enough, that the guy I started with is African as well. You'll definitely know him, um, <coughs> Flavian yeah. Obiedo.
1: I know, yeah. I know you're going to mention him because you've already oh
0: mentioned God. him in a previous one that I listened yeah. to. Um, yeah. and, and, and,
1: and, and he's another guy who I converse with him all the time. I love his, I think we're on Juicy July at the moment between us.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has his
1: every month drink hashtags.
0: Yeah, and, and, and he's a bloody good cook with that Flavian Cooks Instagram channel as oh, well, man. God. Yeah. Have you seen his new pig roast? It's a hog roast business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he said
1: to me, he said to me at the weekend, you need to pop down and taste some. Be a long mm. way for a takeaway, but
0: <laughs> I would. I, do you know this is the thing, right? I speak, and I'm sure we'll say this off camera. Maybe we've already said it. Just about everyone I speak to, I'm like, oh, like one day we'll meet, sort of thing. Yeah, and I've maybe met about. 12, 15 folk of, of, that have been on the podcast. But funnily enough, the person I just mentioned, Regis Umu the Rwandan guy, is one of the people I'm going to meet. I'm going to meet him next month, which is really weird. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so I'm going out to Tanzania and Rwanda, which will be amazing. But uh, yeah, he. when I said, oh, I'll have to meet you one day, like there was no truth in that. <laughs> but I mean, maybe what,
1: maybe what we could do is use my new farm in Yorkshire. We could commission Flavian to come up with these hog roast business and we could pool in quite a few of your guests in had, and we could have a, 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 a go-live podcast.
0: I would oh. love that. Love, and you know, I, I don't know if you know I'm going to say a few names here. Alice Hodgkins, Sophie Bell, Hazel Mullins, yeah. Louise Crowley, Carol Devaney, Joanne Devaney, Katie Shanahan, all Instagrammers, TikTokers in Ireland. We yeah. had a massive get together about a year ago. And I've interviewed everyone I mentioned there, bar two. Um, and I just thought that's brilliant. We need to do that. I've got yeah. so many. I've got so many people I class as friends now. That and it's a good like thing to do. As well. Well, it's well,
1: oh, be
0: networking. amazing. Yeah. yeah, and do you know what? Fuck the networking for a minute. Let's just get drunk and have some food and have a bit of crack. Like, well, you know, I mean, I've
1: seen Fleming's yeah. got these pigs which decide to break out all the time. So we'd be doing them a favour. Exactly. Take a couple of cameras off him.
0: Care. And would help him with his
1: social media, care the community.
0: Yeah, we're 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 just we're just bloody sweethearts, is what we are. <laughs> uh, but no, here, absolutely appreciate your time, man. I'm conscious you're getting up Fantastic. early. 10th, great Yorkshire Oh, tomorrow. don't worry about
1: me. These good looks, you know, they're not going to get better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Unfortunately for everyone, they can't actually see you because it's not on YouTube anymore. But uh, if you're, like, that's it. I know that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's. Well, I'm actually clean shaven um it's been been a pleasure as i said for those of you listening absolute pleasure as well um i'm glad i'm glad mate thank you for coming on for those of you listening i hope you've enjoyed i'm sure you have as i mentioned our last episode was grant and Jacqueline speaking uh sort of pt fitness farming young farmers all that sort of thing we actually have had one day off we've had one monday we haven't released because I'm just quite busy with different things and I'm away from my co-host for the second series. Uh, but as I said, Vince Gillingham coming on next episode, talking about pickups for peace, talking Ukraine, talking farming, Ukraine. So I haven't filmed that episode yet, but that'll be an interesting one uh, on the all inside of things. For those of you that enjoy more than just the food and farming, <clears throat> we have um, uh, Scottish rugby international coming on. We have uh a police officer in Australia coming on and we have a female apprentice engineer coming on so she's sort of curbing the trend there and, and has won quite a few awards so there's a lot coming up on the all-in side of things on the food and farming side of things just so I don't miss anyone I'm going to tell you some of the ones we've got organized Vince I had mentioned Holly from Cups on Cows on Instagram Will Evans if you're an agricultural podcast fan this is the man you thank and um, he started it he is the man behind rock and roll farming. He is, the, from what I understand, one of the biggest farmers on Twitter in, in Britain, unless you include the likes of Jeremy Clarkson and whatnot. Um, after that, uh, we've got Heidi Wilson, the CrossFit vet. She is the current second fittest farmer. Yep, that's right, as part of the Farmers Weekly um as Farmer, which me and Damien are getting involved in. Uh, uh, she also is going to talk about neurodiversity. She is autistic. She goes to talk about that. It's going to be really interesting. She lost her dad at a young age and she still um, um, became a vet. And Well, she's currently studying to be a vet. So she's got a lot. Really great story. Matt Stiles, the Honest Farmer. Claire Whittle, which I think her name is Dr. Do Whittle. She calls herself the regenerative vet. Um, so quite a lot coming up. We've got quite a few things. Uh, coming on uh, and there's also some other names in there that I can't access on Zoom at the minute for some reason Um, so yeah quite a lot coming up in the podcast I will be going to Africa as I've said next month so most of these will be getting filmed in the next probably 12 to 15 days and then I will not be editing nor filming for some time um, and I will come back either very tanned or dead one of the two because I'm not good with the heat Um, but thank you as always for listening Damien it's been a pleasure thank you for coming on Thank you very much and uh, we shall see you all for the next episode. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, Plan Rural. If you follow Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside Plan Rural so far, and long may it continue. The values of Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen, and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at AplanRural and on Facebook at Aplan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.